listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast with Monica Woodhams. Influencer Girl Lifestyle is all about connecting you with top entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities who are sharing their secrets to living the influencer life behind the Instagram filters. So get ready to learn the ins and outs about influence, some girl talk, from dating to shopping for Gucci belts, and of course, the all-too-frequent debate over mimosas versus Bloody Marys at brunch. Here's your host and go-to for all things influencer lifestyle, Monica Woodhams. Hey, y'all. I'm really excited to get into this episode with Catherine McDermott of the Swipe Up podcast. We're talking about the first thing to consider before starting a blog, where the influencer space is heading, and how you can effectively reach out to brands with a small audience. But before we get into that, I did want to let y'all know that if you haven't listened to it yet, I did start another podcast that is sports-related. It's called How to Pretend to Like Sports. So you can find that anywhere where you listen to your podcast, where you're listening to this one. You can just search How to Pretend to Like Sports, and we're basically breaking down what you need to know when it comes to sports. It's not like super intense, like what your boyfriend is listening to. It's just what you need to know to kind of hold your own in a conversation this weekend. So check it out and we'll get into the episode with Catherine now. Hey y'all, I'm here today with Catherine McDermott. She's the founder of Slightly Savvy, which is an influencer sneak peek behind the scenes of the PR world. And she is also the host of the podcast Swipe Up. So welcome Catherine. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to chat. We've chatted before for your podcast, so I'm excited to kind of flip it around a bit. So let's kick it off with a little this or that. Nice. Let's do it. Okay. Yoga or bar? Oh, gosh. Um, I feel like it would depend on my mood, but I think I'm going to go with yoga. Same. <laughs> I haven't done bar in like years I think yeah like I I want to say bar because I feel like that's a better workout <laughs> yeah. but if I'm being honest it's kind of a lot with like the planks and the cardio oh my gosh I know I know when it first like when pure bars first started to kind of pop up everywhere I think like oh my god is that like almost 10 years ago now is that <laughs> really like, 10 years I feel like that's impossible I, well, it was like, okay, when I was a junior in college, I graduated in 2012. So like, okay, seven years, eight years. I don't feel like doing math right now. Yeah. But still, that's a really long time. I used to go to Pure Bar like so religiously. Yeah. And I feel like it was like my best version of myself that like, goes to Pure Bar. But then like the lazy version of me is like, I'm going to go stretch at yoga. Yeah. I'm going to go to restorative yoga. Right. I'm going to go to, what is it, like Vin to Yin or something yes, like that. Yes, it's just the one where you stretch. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. The next one is tequila or wine. Oh, gosh. I'm not a big drinker. I okay. legitimately could go like a good six months without touching alcohol and like not even blink an eye. Same. Same. Really? I'm like a social drinker, so but even then, like if it's like a weeknight and I'm out to dinner with a friend, I don't really think about looking at the cocktail menu unless like they've brought it up first. Me either. Like I, I'm just not a drinker like that at all. And I feel like it's like cute to be like, oh my gosh, wine nights. But like, I would legitimately never open a bottle of wine by myself. Same. Like, I have never been that person, and I thought 
so like a few years ago, I was like, maybe that's something that happens in like your late twenties and like as an adult. And I'm like, no, I think that like you either do that or you don't. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's not me to be like, Oh, like, let me crack open a bottle of wine. Like, I, I could just legitimately go like a good six months and never drink. And then people would ask me like, oh, you know, when was the last time you drank? And I'm like, um, like, I don't know, January. <laughs> yeah, I totally get I, I I feel like I really meet people like this. So because everyone's like, oh, my gosh, like wine, wine nights, like wine and bachelor. And like, I literally couldn't care less about either for me. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> So basically for a really bad, like millennial yes. girls, a hundred percent. Okay. The next one is Instagram posts or Instagram stories. I'm going to easily say stories. Yes. The feed is too much pressure these days. I feel I like I, I truly have pictures that could get like 2000 likes or 85. Like there's <laughs> no in between. And I'm just like, whatever. I don't even care. I know. Actually, right before we got on this call, I was about to post something on Instagram to the feed. And then I was like, "Ugh, I don't even know. And then I didn't do it. Yeah. I I would literally the same way, like go like two weeks without posting on like the Instagram, like feed itself and be like, I guess I should post. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Okay. The next one is takeout or cooking. Um, definitely takeout. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> Me too. What's your favorite kind of food to take out? Easily sushi or like mm-hmm. Thai food. I could eat that le- Yay, legit every meal. <laughs> I, and I almost do. It's like, it's ridiculous. I feel like I eat Asian food more than if I like actually went to Asia. Yes, same. I, I love sushi. I love like noodles and Thai food. Like I could literally Postmates it to myself every night. Yes, and I have sometimes been way too close to making that, like, a daily thing. It's oh, bad. yeah, I, like, look at my credit card, and it's, like, it's all Postmates, Postmates, Postmates Uber Eats. I'm, like, all yeah. right, I need to chill. I know. Um, a Whole Foods just opened underneath my building, which I thought, oh, that's going to be dangerous. But it's actually saved because I don't have the Postmates temptation anymore. Yeah. And when you look at like how much you spend on Postmates, I feel like it's easily, at least in Florida, it's probably actually more expensive where you are, but I feel like it's easily like 12 to $15 a meal. Like no matter what you get. No, it's, that's the thing. Like you could get a burger from Shake Shack or you could get sushi and it's still like, it's going to be the same. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Okay. The last one is leather or denim jacket. Oh gosh. Well, in Florida, you could not wear any of those cutting <laughs> to death. But I think I think leather jackets are cuter. I would prefer like a white cropped one. Oh, I love it. Yes. What would you pick? So, I'm on a denim jacket kick right now because I finally found one that I love that doesn't make it feel like it's a denim jacket my mom would wear. Yeah. And it's like oversized and distressed and it's like really like soft, comfy denim. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. The yeah. soft factor is like big for me. Like, cause I've tried on denim jackets that are, it literally feels like you're wearing jeans and yes, like it's also it's nothing cool. I hate more than jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like every year that I work from home, it's like, I can't wear jeans for as long as I 
used to. Like, I remember when I worked in corporate, wearing jeans was, like, such a treat. And now I'm, like, three hours in. I'm like, okay. I would literally rather, like, die than wear jeans all day. Like, I will wear jeggings. Like, I can do a nice jegging. But, like, the idea of sitting in jeans all day just, like, already hurts me. No. Also, traveling in jeans. Oh, no. No, absolutely not. I would rather travel in, like, a dress or, like, in a skirt. Totally. Except I did learn the skirt lesson that it needs to be a longer skirt, especially when you reach up to put your suitcase in the overhead bin. I learned that. That's very true. (laughs) That's a very important point. (laughs) So travel tip, y'all. Yeah. And let's be real. I'm not even wearing a skirt and a dress. I'm wearing leggings and like a hoodie. Yes. A hundred (laughs) percent. Okay. So this last one isn't a this or that. It's a fill in the blank. And I've never done this on the podcast before. So you're you're the guinea pig for it. So Love it. anyone can be an influencer, but fill in the blank. Oh, my gosh. My first thought was, but not if your content is boring. But that was kind <laughs> of harsh. I I think you should go with it. Okay. Yeah. That's my final answer then. (laughs) Okay. And so let's unpack that a little bit because I think so many people think that they can be an influencer, which is kind of what made me think of this kind of fill in the blanks thing. And then they just post random content Mm -hmm. with the expectation that it is going to get thousands of likes and thousands of followers. So what do you think makes good content, premium content, not boring content? Yeah. So I think that anyone can be an influencer, which I I really do believe that like, Mm -hmm. if you want to create like a blog, a YouTube channel, an Instagram account, you can a hundred percent do it except for like, if your content has no purpose and exactly like you said, I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, I want to be an influencer. I want to be an influencer. And then there doesn't seem to be like a direction for their content, like a mission behind it. It just doesn't seem like there is a purpose. And I feel like, like you said too, it doesn't necessarily have to be like beautiful Hawaii drone photography, like content nonstop, but like, if it's not serving some sort of purpose to like, you know, the old thing you learned in like AP lit, which was like entertain, educate, inspire, or inform. Like if it doesn't fit one of those categories, then I don't think you're going to necessarily amass the large amount of followers of your dreams. Totally. I think that is, I wish that could be just like posted everywhere. (laughs) And that's kind of, the inspiration again for today's conversation with you, I think that you'd be the perfect person to cover this is that I'm sure you get a lot of people, maybe friends reaching out to you saying, Hey, I want to start a blog. I want to be an influencer. I want to start making money through my Instagram. So what's the first thing that you tell them when they tell you that? It's actually, it's so funny, like how, and I'm sure you get this too, because I think we kind of talk about similar things like on our podcasts, but like you get those people from college who message you and they're like, I love what you're doing. I want to start a blog. Like I'm going to start it. I'm going to be an influencer. Yes. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like you can a hundred percent do that. Um, but 
number, I think the biggest thing, I think this is like a boring thing to say, but it's consistency because you're not going to build this huge following overnight. You're not even going to do it probably in like six months. It's going to take time. And if you don't truly have an interest and like a love for creating content, like if you're not pulling out your phone to take pictures or you're not pulling out your laptop to write or pulling out your camera to vlog naturally, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to kind of put out the amount of content consistently that it's going to take to grow, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. And I think that that's such a great point because it is something that is it needs to become a habit to create content and it's not easy to create content. I've, I started my first blog in 2009 and it's still sometimes not like the easiest thing for me to just come up with content on the fly. That's like quality, which is like crazy to think about that. Like we're 10 years into this. So like, imagine like just having started like a week ago. Yeah. Totally. I I think you have to love creating content, even if like I struggle with it, you know, being consistent or like sometimes I am burnt out or like uninspired. But at the same time, like I find interest in reading blogs and seeing people's Instagrams and seeing like YouTube videos. Like I truly enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And it does inspire me always at the end of the day to like grab my camera and say, okay, like we're going to my husband's parents' house. Like let's just vlog our day in the pool. And like, I'm going to set it to fun music and that's just like fun for me. So I I think you have to have an interest in like truly creating content if you want to be an influencer long-term. Yeah. And you know, people have seen how it is a profitable industry, but I mean, I don't know how many times people can say you can't do it for the money. Yeah. And I think that I'm sure you get this too, but like, it's the first thing that people say to me of like, okay, well, I want to start my blog and and like, how do I make money? Am I going to like start making money overnight? Like brands are just going to start sending me stuff. And I'm like, no, not really. Not with like a hundred Instagram followers are probably not going to be like banging down your door to pay you right off the bat. Right. And even if you have thousands of followers, they still might not come to you. (laughs) I think that's one of the biggest shifts that I've seen since the beginning is that it used to be them reaching out to you and now you have to reach out to them, which is your specialty, your wheelhouse of like knowing how to have these conversations with brands. So would you, when would you say someone should be ready to start reaching out to brands? So I typically say that like you can reach out to brands no matter how big or small you are. Because one thing I've learned too is that every single influencer basically struggles with like reaching out to brands, maybe mm-hmm. except for like five people. But I've just worked with so many people of varying following levels. And like the girl with 12 million YouTube subscribers still is like, yeah, I don't know what to say. So I think everyone kind of struggles with like, what do you say to two brands. And when I was doing more like straight publicity work, like when I first kind of started my career, I was like full on publicist pitching to reporters and media, um, to get like press and coverage and all of that good stuff. And like the biggest lesson I learned that I transfer now into kind of like brand partnerships with influencers is like, what do they need? Solve their problem with your pitches and you're going to be a lot more successful 
than just emailing someone saying, Hey, I want free product or Hey, I want to review your product. Like send it my way. If you can figure out what their problem is and then craft a way that you can solve it, I think your pitches are going to be a lot more successful. I love that. And I think it's so true. And you know, so many people think of it being one-sided, like they just want the free product or they just want to get paid. And at the end of the day, it needs to be something that's mutually beneficial, Mm -hmm. right? Because these, you know, the people who are the brand reps or in the PR department or the marketing department, they have like an old guy in his late fifties that they have to report back to. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Forget that. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I was doing publicity work and I was bad at it at first. I like wrote a whole blog post on this about how like the first three months of my job when I was thrown into like the weeds of pitching to reporters, like I was terrible. Like I got no one to respond to me. I got like no coverage and I was like, wow, I am, I'm terrible at this. But I finally figured it out that if you're not solving their issues and you're not telling them how you can help them, no one cares that like you want to work with them. No one cares that you want to get paid. Like no one cares that your client wants to be mentioned in Forbes. All they care about is like, what are you going to bring to me? So like if it's a reporter, you know, is that going to be like page views or, you know, notoriety or like a quote unquote story or something like that. And then for brands, like what are they looking for? They're looking for large awareness. They might be looking to like promote a specific product for like an upcoming holiday or something like that. So if you can just try to figure out what they want and they need, it's a lot better than just saying like, Hey, I I want like your skincare. Yeah, totally. So what's a way that someone could figure out, let's say they want to work with um, their favorite skincare brand. What would be a way to kind of figure out what that brand's problem is that an influencer could solve? So one thing that I like to do a lot, and it's a little bit weird, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> it's like a skincare brand or like a brand that has products. I typically go to their new arrivals or like mm. new products or like um, new collections or something like that. And I try to kind of see like what their newest stuff is. Cause nine times out of 10, if you create a new product, you put a marketing campaign behind it. Um, so I usually say like, okay, if they are, if in their new product collection, it has, you know, a jade roller or whatever, I can probably bet that they want to promote that more. So I might craft my pitch. That's like, I saw that you came out with a new jade roller. Like, I love that in my morning routine. Would you like to partner to help share that specific product? And sometimes they come back and say like, well, no, not really for like the jade roller, but we do want to promote our eye masks, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of can take it from there. But it's always a lot more personal that you've done some research and like, you know what their newest stuff is. Because like I said, just nine times out of 10, they want to promote their newest stuff. So that's like a little hack. I love that. That is like one of the best tips that has been shared on this podcast. (laughs) Wow, I'm honored. Yes, no, I'm serious. I love it. So to kind of switch gears here, where do you think that the influencer space is headed? So like, you know, I think Instagram kind of hit its peak because, and I say that because now it's like, it's inflated, you know, Mm -hmm. like we were just talking about, we're bored posting on our feed. So 
does this make an actual physical blog more relevant now? Does it make mean that maybe like people are going to go back to YouTube? What do you think um, content wise where content lives, I guess you could say, where's the future headed? Yeah. So I feel like kind of what you said, like one of the biggest kind of shifts I've noticed is bloggers having to be more proactive about reaching out to brands. Like you said, it used to be that when you hit 10,000 followers, people were going to flood you with new stuff and all of that. And that just like, at least I don't see it. That really does not happen anymore. Like until you hit like at least 50,000 maybe or something like that. But no longer is it like, oh, you have 17,000 Instagram followers and people are just flooding you with product. Yeah. So I don't see that anymore. Um, And then in terms of platforms, I think you're totally right that like Instagram feels for brands. And this isn't necessarily like my opinion, but it's kind of the vibe that I get from brands that I work with that Instagram is kind of like the toss away one now. And it's like, it's saturated. There's so much over there. There's so much competition. There's so much noise. Like engagement is tough that it's almost like Instagram. No one really cares anymore. Mm -hmm. I personally think that YouTube and video is going to be a lot more important in like 2019 and in the upcoming years. So I've been recommending a lot recently is like start that YouTube channel. Like even if you're straight up just vlogging, start building an audience there. Yeah. I literally am posting my first YouTube video today for the first time in years because that's where I think that it's going. Yeah. What is your video? It's about my first experience uh, getting lip filler. (laughs) Oh, nice. I saw that on your Instagram story the other day that you asked like a question about it. Yeah. So um, I'm having a full day of technical difficulties because um, technology has clearly (laughs) changed since the last time. I did videos. That's amazing. I love a good technological challenge on your videos. Yep, it's fine. It's like half the audio is in the video, half of it isn't. That's amazing. (laughs) But I'm glad that you said that. That's because, I mean, there's something about YouTube that is less, I don't know, I don't, fluffy is not the right word. There's just something, again, about Instagram that there's so many hacks to faking an account, mm-hmm. I guess. Whereas, like, you can't really do that as much with video. Yeah. And I also feel like, and maybe you agree with this and maybe not, but I feel like Instagram, if you don't think about stories, it can be like very, very impersonal. Like at the end of the day, it's a flat image that is like perfectly styled, perfectly edited, perfectly shot. And like, in a way that's fine because like, that's what Instagram is. But I feel like people as like a culture and as a society, like we want to know more. Like that's why we like stories because we want to follow you around all day long and like see what you do. And I think that's why people like YouTube because it's so much more of a multi-dimensional kind of view of a person that like you're not going to post probably a picture of you getting lip fillers on your feed. So yeah. like we're never going to see that. But like a a 25-minute Q&A like on your lip fillers and a vlog of it, like yeah, I'm going to watch that because I want to know like what you did. Right. And I think that's also why podcasting has really taken off the way that it has because again, like you people want to feel like connected to that person and on Instagram. So like maybe once a week 
once every few weeks, I like to just kind of like try to find new people to follow. And what I find so much is that I'm just seeing the same Mm -hmm. thing over and over and over again. And I don't even remember who I followed because it's like all blurring together. And this kind of speaks back to that follower amount. It's like, there's so many bloggers who are at like the 10 to 17, thousand follower range that like that's really not leverage when it comes if you think about it when it comes to brands like so many people are at that number I mean I'm one of them yeah same like I'm at that number too and like it's it's great it's a vanity metric in a way where I'm like god I want 10k for like the swipe swipe up (laughs) it's like my podcast has called it and I don't have it which is ironic and annoying but like there's you're so you're like basically there (laughs) I have literally looked at it today and it's at like nine, 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 six. And I'm just like, Oh my God, guys, please. (laughs) Seriously. Okay. Campaign to get the swipe. Yeah. Campaign for me, please today. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. So, okay. What is exciting you the most when it comes to being an influencer and what's to come for the industry going into 2019? So I think that YouTube and video is kind of fun and it's kind of exciting because I think that for some really popular accounts who kind of like you said, they they kind of all blend together. You could probably put up a picture of one of them and they all are identical and not hating on that because like Lord knows I can do it too. But like, oh, same. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can, I can do that easily. But I think that YouTube and, and just video and kind of more rawness is going to be a lot more important in 2019. And also I think that just being more proactive in general, because kind of like we were saying, it used to be that you could just kind of wait to be reached out to and you were just going to grow like magic. And that's really not the case anymore. It makes you work a little bit harder and be more proactive and actually have a strategy. And I think that the people who kind of just start blogs to have a creative outlet, that's not bad either. You can totally do that. But if you're wanting to turn it into a full-time business or like a pretty good side hustle business, there's going to have to be more thought and strategy. And I think that just naturally people who our lower quality are going to get weeded out. Mm-hmm. And the people who are also though with big followings who are not evolving and changing, I think they're going to kind of get hurt too. Yeah, totally. I think that those are all like such great points. And that if anyone's listening, just, I, I really want people to like, hear that and really take that into account when it comes to strategizing for the next year. And I think you should strategize. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we're in a place where being an influencer means winging it anymore. Would you agree? Oh yeah, totally. And I don't know if you've heard this, but um, a few of the like bigger influencer networks came out and said that they're changing their pricing structure. So like where you used to get paid, if you had a hundred thousand followers, you got paid based on a hundred thousand followers. Now a lot of people are wanting to pay on reach. So like that technically means that you could get paid more than a hundred thousand than, you know, what a hundred thousand followers would be worth. But it also means if you have no engagement and you have no community behind that number and you're reaching like 2000 people, 
you're going to eventually, I think, stop getting paid like, you know, $10,000 for an Instagram post to reach a hundred thousand people because you're not even remotely reaching those people. So I think that's going to be a big wake up call for a lot of people who have kind of skated by with like big accounts and big following numbers who I say it too. Like they don't really engage anymore. They don't really post anything that's different. Like they have a formula and they follow it. I think that that's going to be a little bit of a pain point for them over the next few years of like, how are they going to stick around and remain relevant and remain commanding the rates that they do command if you're not changing anything up? That's so true. So what is maybe one or two of your favorite um, tips when it comes to engagement? Because that is kind of a million dollar question. Yeah, totally. And this is, these two tips would probably just be like my personal tips. I'm not necessarily sure if there's science behind this, (laughs) but I try to look at like what bloggers I really, really love, like what are they doing? And like one person I can think of is Savan. Um, Yes, I love her. Yeah, I think her last name is Richards now. Yes. Um, But she like just had her baby. And I think she does a really great job of very kind of like raw and unfiltered content. And I feel like a lot of people want to say like, oh yeah, I'm authentic, I'm authentic. And like that word kind of gets overused and annoying. But she does a really good job, I think, of like not grabbing the most perfect Instagram picture. Like her pictures are beautiful, but they're always not necessarily picture perfect. Like they're a little bit more real, a little bit more authentic. Like the other day she was wearing like white sneakers and they weren't perfectly white, like, you know, whitened in Facetune. They were like kind of beat up and like kind of gray. And I've noticed that throughout the day on stories, she does like stories nonstop. And I feel like some of us, I do this too, but like, you're like, Oh no, I shouldn't post that. Like it's boring. But like, I get so caught into watching Savon's stories. I watch like 30 throughout the day and I never think like, oh my gosh, like this is boring or like that's ugly or I don't want to see it because like I'm interested in her. So I don't mind sitting through five videos of her talking. Yeah. So I feel like maybe just not even sure of like what necessarily that tip was, but um, just like maybe creating more raw content on stories and not worrying like if it's perfect or if it's pretty or if it even necessarily has a point, but just like getting it up there for the sake of having it throughout the day. Yeah, I love that. And you're so right because I was thinking the other day, I was like, she posts a lot on Instagram stories, but I'm not skipping it. Like I am engaged. Like she's, and I do feel like she is telling a story. So like, Mm -hmm. even though like she is kind of just, you know, posting about her day to day, like there's still story or like there's references that tie back to something else. Like for example, like how like her husband never like puts the chairs back. Yeah. Like, you know, it feels like we're connected friends in some way because we know like those little random things, like we're, it's like we're invested in that story. Yeah, exactly. And even though it's not like, a beautiful picture perfect photo like of the chair like you get it because you know that she says all the time that her husband like doesn't put stuff away and like she does the zoom in on the chair and like you get it yeah. so again i'm not sure what the tip is there 
<laughs> just go follow her. <laughs> I just go follow her and like look at how she does her stories. And I feel like she does her highlights really, really well too. Yes. Like if I'm bored, I legit might go binge on her highlights just because they really do. They tell a story from like beginning to end, like especially with her baby content. Like yeah. you literally start with the day that she announces her pregnancy throughout yeah. the next nine months. Now the baby's alive. Like it, it's just like a continuous kind of flow that you want to pay attention to. Totally. Totally. I love kind of like it's like we're doing like the anatomy of an Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah, just title this episode like why we love Savon's Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so for anyone who's like, okay, I need to take this seriously. I need to start really focusing on like how I'm going to approach this with a strategy, how I'm going to talk to brands, all of that. How can they learn more from you? And yeah. Where can they find you? What can they expect to see when they do follow you? Yeah. So I feel like they're doing a great job. Number one, listening to your podcast. Um, I would probably say that listening to the swipe up podcast would not be a bad idea. We cover a lot of topics over there, kind of similar to what you guys hear about the strategy behind blogging, behind Instagram, behind YouTube, all of that good stuff. Um, we have a few interviews over there with brands like Kopari, West Elm is coming on the podcast to talk oh, about nice. their, yeah. So some really cool kind of like behind the scenes sneak peeks of like the brand side of things. So I would recommend starting with a swipe up podcast and just kind of see what episodes resonate with you. And then, um, just DM me on Instagram and kind of ask questions and I'm more than happy to answer them and clarify and talk about YouTube and Instagram all day. Yay. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Catherine. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the influencer girl lifestyle. Love this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For show notes and free resources on living out your influencer lifestyle, head over to monicawoodhams.com forward slash podcast.